Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Geoff Lacey. And I'm Claire Venice. We're back in the Petersfield. And loving village life in this week's Peapod. If you love Petersfield... I love the square. The hangers. The open-air swimming pool. Lots of fun shops. Then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Geoff Lacey. Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. We're continuing our Local Villages series, which sees us visit some of the wonderful villages in the Petersfield. And for this episode, we're in the village of Berriton. We meet Chair of the Parish Council, Doug Jones, and fellow parishioner, Maggie Johnson, and Fran Vizi from the Five Bells Pub, who not only hosts us this week, but tells us about the vibrant art scene in the village. We also discover that Berriton is leading the way with climate change initiatives, being one of only a handful of Hampshire villages chosen for the new pollinating scheme, as Mary and Bernie Saunders explain. John Walker from the Peaceful Post brings you this week's local news, and Susie explores woodland after the storms. We end the Peapod with local artist Million Pebble Beach and the song Broken Ships. The P stands for Petersfield. It's a lovely area, lovely people, lovely atmosphere. The Peapod. Hello, Claire, how are you? Hi, Geoff. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Haven't seen you for a while. It's been three weeks since we met up in Sheet. I know, and I need to apologise because it is my fault that we actually are a week behind our every two-week pod pod, pod, went. We went to fortnightly to make it easier for ourselves. Then you bail out on us. I know. <laughs> it wasn't by choice. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we had COVID. Well, I didn't have COVID. My 10-year-old had right. COVID. So uh, we thought it oh. best to stay home, keep it in the house. And, uh, and luckily, actually, it was, it was only her. Um, she you. was okay, but none of us, none of the others got it. And what do you think of the new uh, guidelines where we don't have to self-isolate? It makes me a bit nervous because mm. we have been obviously careful over the last couple of years. I mean, I was in London on Friday and I did wear my mask up on the right. train and inside just because I, I feel comfortable mm. with that. But I think it's, it's personal choice, isn't it, now? Yeah, Touchwood, I've not had it two years. So uh, here's hoping. I find my diet of... Um, Unhealthy food, red wine, has uh, kept it at bay. Maybe, maybe you've got the <laughs> maybe you've got the key, job. Yeah. <laughs> so, were you affected by the storms that happened last week? Yes, I had to go to work. Still had to go to Chichester. I didn't go over Harting Hill. wasn't brave enough on the Friday. On the Friday, yeah. so I went the long way round. Um, I didn't go Harting Way until Wednesday, and yes, it had taken a bit of a hammering. Yeah. Uh, there's um, as you go up the hill or down the hill, uh, they've got it down to one lane because they've cut the they've cut the trees but they've left them there they've just left a through road okay you so thought well you're there you you've there you've uh, you've done the hard bit why don't you just take it off the road but hey ho what do we know it might take as long as the potholes oh god let's hope not <laughs> <laughs> well this week we're in the village of Berriton. Berriton, yes yes we're in the five bars pub used to come here a lot actually okay in the 80s in the 80s? In the, oh, yes. That was a while ago then. 80s and 90s, yes. As a family, you used to walk across on Boxing Day, or day after Boxing Day, come across the field from Petersfield, and then have a nice drink and a meal here at the Five Bells. Very nice. It's a lovely pub. It is. We it have is. recorded one Peapod. Actually, I don't know if we recorded. We practised here, we? Didn't did a we? practice, yes, back in September 2019. Yeah. So uh, we're back. It's good to be back. It is, it is. And um, we've got on here, Claire, mm. Acts of Kindness. 
Are you going to be kind to me this week? We do. Well, I'm always, I always try to be kind to your job. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you set yourself up. <laughs> but um, no, I just wanted to, to, yeah, a little shout out, particularly to my sister, who um, sent me a really surprising and rather lovely gift uh, a week or so ago um, of some some groceries that were delivered to my house and I had no idea that she had done this I actually didn't know I thought it was a mistake when the waitrose delivery man knocked on my front door holding a crate of treats actually there were small teasers there were cans of gin uh, there was lovely yogurts there was chocolate there was all sorts of delicious stuff and, Mm. and I thought it was a mistake and I didn't want to take it in thinking Oh gosh, I'm going to take somebody's. You took the gin out, and so nice. well, it, <laughs> it was the gin that made me realise it was her. <laughs> <laughs> but she knows, you know, it's been a, it's been quite a, a busy start to the year. Let me say, my husband's been away a lot with work and yep. three girls, COVID twice. So um, it was a, it was a lovely thing. So little random acts of kindness, I think, go a nice. long way. Yes, so, uh, it's a nice thing to do. Well, if you'd like to send me some gin at any time, <laughs> I'll remember, Joff. <laughs> And uh, yes, during January, I was doing a bit of running and a bit of walking. February? February has, has been a big fail. I've done some walking. I walk every Sunday, anything between seven and a half and nine miles. But the running during the week. And I'm putting it down to I'm now overseeing two branches and I'm worn out. Yeah. And I can't fit it all in. And it's a hard month to run. You know, I've got back into running, but yeah. phew, I always find February really hard. Yeah, it's just been... It's miserable out I've there. Just bu- but it felt a bit flat about it. Or perhaps I did too much in January and hit a bit of a wall. You might have done. So here, you know, here's to March. What here's are your March. plans We're now March? only nine weeks away, I think, from my 50th. Oh. So I've got a bit of work to do. Gosh, that countdown is on. It is. Mm. It's going to be all right, Joff. Yes. <laughs> Let's move on, I think. <laughs> As you know, we love to hear from you. So if you have a story you'd like us to cover or would just like to say hello, please do get in touch. Or if you live in a local village you'd like us to visit, you can call or WhatsApp us on 01730 or email team at uk. Coming up, we find out more about Bereton from Doug Jones and Maggie Johnson. But first, here's John Walker with the latest local news. Hello, John. How are you? Very well, mate. The sun's shining. We've got, uh, well, you've got a lovely pint of Guinness. I, myself, at this moment in time, are on water, lime and ice. But it's uh, it's a lovely day. And England won the rugby yesterday, which is always a bonus. Yes, it was a, a great result. I wasn't going to watch it because I was concerned we might lose. But in the end, I did turn it on and uh, very pleased with the result. So, John, we haven't met up for a couple of weeks. How's it been for you? Well, apart from the initial shaking last Sunday morning about this time, it's been fine, to be fair. So, what's caught your eye in the pizza sphere over the last week or so? Well, I mean, the, the, the row, well, not row, the debate over water, Waterstones is continuing. As you know, Waterstones wanted to uh, renew the lease on their shop in, in Ramswalk. Ramswalk is owned by East Hampshire District Council. Uh, the council said, yeah, that's fine, you can renew it, but we want a longer lease from you. And uh, Waterstone said, no, we want a shorter lease because of the economic climate. Uh, they couldn't agree, so Waterstones is leaving Rams Walk. And now it's going to be taken over and turned into a cafe, bar, restaurant by a company called Lounges UK. So it's attracted a load of press. The council have taken uh, a load of um, flack over this. Uh, they're being called, compared to Rackham-type landlords, evicting people willy-nilly. In response, the council leader, Richard Millard, has written to Waterstones, um, asking them if he can release all the paperwork that goes with the uh, lease discussions, etc., etc. 
because he wants it out there. And I, and I, I do feel for the council a bit in this because it appears that they haven't actually done anything that was unprofessional. As Mr Millard said, why would I want to, you know, why would the council want to evict someone who pays the rent? But he wants Waterstones to give them the OK for all the paperwork around this debate of the uh, lease renewal to be made public so that everybody can see exactly what did happen and uh, draw their own conclusions. And you have to think to yourself that if the council were trying in some underhand way to evict Waterstones, he wouldn't want to do that. You know, I think it's fairly clear. It was a debate over the lease. The councillors, the owners wanted one thing, as they're entitled to. Any owner of a building can have whatever sort of lease they like. It seems the only sticking point was over the length of time. And Waterstones didn't want that. So therefore, it was terminated. I think the big debate is what goes in there next. And this is where maybe, I don't think for one minute the council will rethink it. But, you know, they need to be not careful, but aware that there is a strength of feeling that says Rams Walk doesn't actually need a bar and a restaurant. And you can see all the bad sides, the downsides, you know, people getting drunk, hanging around in Rams Walk and families coming out of Waitrose after the shopping, all that sort of thing. Uh, the other side of it is it might revitalise Rams Walk and make it, a, you know, a really pleasant place. Who knows? One would say, though, a concern for having a, a bar, cafe, licensed premises in Rams Walk. There is a lot of glass, a lot of glass frontage, and we're going to discuss it later on, a rise in potential antisocial behaviour within the town. Are we creating a rod for our own back by allowing this to happen? Well, this is, this is where the council have um, made a choice, and only time will tell if it's the right one. Personally, I'm inclined to think that we don't need any more bars in Petersfield. The restaurants don't exactly seem to be booming. Yes, you are going to see noise. You are going to see... It's a bar. There will be issues with it being there. Uh, and being a national chain, will they have the respect for the town that perhaps a local landlord might have had? It's a shame that in some way that local landlords weren't approached first to see if they wanted to run it. Or a combination. You know, perhaps have a small restaurant, small bar small cafe in there all run by different people. I don't know. I, I just feel... I can see why the council have done it. National chain, guaranteed money, da-da-da. I get that. As a businessman, fantastic. But is it the best thing for Rams Walk and Petersfield? I personally am not convinced, but we shall see. Especially when you've got the Charles Street tap premises empty. Could that have been used by this new chain? Yeah, it could have been. But I, I think the... That's not any concern of East Hampshire District Council. And I think, because apparently the discussions with Waterstones have gone on for quite some time, we're talking probably a year, and I, I think that uh, East Hampshire District Council actually went out and to find a business to replace them in that uh, location in Rams Walk. So uh, the Charles Street tap is no concern of theirs. It's no concern of Lounges UK, the, the people who are supposedly going to go into the Rams Walk. Yes, you're right. Charles Street Tap Bar is empty and will be empty for some considerable time, I imagine. But Rams Walk is the council's concern and, you know, they've, they've done what they've done. But then this goes back to a conversation we had at length a few weeks ago about EHDC investing in Rams Walk and other concerns rather than social affordable housing. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, the, the investment portfolio that... Um, 
East Hampshire District Council have, have got of 114, 115 million pounds worth of premises that they rent out to generate income for themselves. It is not something I'm in favour of, and I never have been. And I agree entirely that a councillor is there to provide services, and they should, if they can borrow that sort of money to keep the council afloat. And it's not as though we're getting any real benefit in terms of your everyday hard-working citizen because you know council tax has gone up again so you know where's where's the benefit to me as a person with that said they have got Ramswalk they do own Ramswalk and I'd, they're trying to do the best they can for themselves as landlords and for the town but equally I don't think there's been a conversation had with relevant people in Petersfield who may have wanted to do something similar themselves in there as I go back to a national chain, we had a bit like Weatherspoons. I mean, Weatherspoons, partly lorry, in the main road, outside their pub when they're delivering beer, and never mind what it does to the traffic or the people of Petersfield. And that will be the same with these lounges UK people. You know, they want to run their business and they don't give monkeys about Petersfield. It's how much money can they earn out of it. Uh, let's move on, John. Uh- Front page of the Peaceful Post last week was the antisocial behaviour uh, outside the, the Peaceful Museum with the trees being uprooted. I just want to th- gauge your thoughts. Okay, you covered last year the vandalism at the Avenue where CCTV caught the perpetrator. Uh, there's potentially CCTV for this case as well. With regards to the Avenue, it didn't progress. Are we going to see the same thing again with the museum? And what does that actually mean for Petersfield and its policing policy? Yeah, policing policy, yeah. That's, that's uh, been a bone of contention, uh, not just in Petersfield, but at a lot of places in East Hampshire for some considerable time. Who knows what happened at the museum? The museum has happened at the Avenue Pavilion. The museum has clear um, CCTV footage. Clear the, the, the people involved in the uh, snapping of the cherry tree and throwing it about can clearly be seen. And it wasn't until six or seven days after the incident when I phoned the police up to find out what they were doing about it that somebody, a police officer, actually wandered up to the museum. Bizarrely enough, he wasn't sure where it was. <laughs> and it's the former police station. Yeah, and, and the, the Hampshire Police and Crime Commissioner, who's meant to oversee... The policing has said incidents like this are minor. Not everyone will be investigated. The police is concentrating on more serious crimes and that antisocial behaviour has to be resolved in partnership. So, in other words, police are not going to deal with antisocial behaviour. There must be a holistic approach to it, probably involving schools, social services, local councils, Uncle Tom Cobbley and all, and nothing will happen and the lad who vandalised the pavilion got away with it and I suspect these lads and uh, there were two girls there although they didn't touch the tree uh, it's very likely that not much will happen to them either to be honest unless their parents actually get involved and step in and force them to do something about it force their own children to do something about it we shall see the bottom line is and I really hope everybody who takes an interest in their town realises or remembers that in 2010 as part of the conservative austerity campaign they reduced police officers by 20,000 across the country and Hampshire lost 500 and now they're trying to recoup that and re-employ them as part of that campaign back in 2010 police stations were shut and sold off 
which is how the museum ended up in the old police station. And it's a consequence of where we are today. Joff and I, I grew, when I grew up in Petersville, police officers walked the streets. You knew that if you did something, there was a good chance, or even a vague chance, that a police officer might come around the corner and catch you. I have been caught as a child, scrumping, lighting a fire in a field that I shouldn't have lit a fire in. I was caught by police officers who happened to be walking by. And anything light-hearted to finish with, John? Um, light-hearted? Um, oh, there was a cat that's been returned to its owners after four years. The cat went missing. It was owned by a family who now live in Petersfield. They were in Lipper. And it, it wandered off into the sunset and ended up in Croydon for its sins. And um, after four years of Croydon, it threw itself at the mercy of a local vet who microchipped it and said, you actually come from the lovely part of England known as Petersfield. A very happy ending for those people, especially the children who loved having their cat back. Brilliant, John. I'll see you very soon. Next week, I suspect. See you later, mate. The Peaceful Post is out every Wednesday and costs 90 pence. Worth every penny, as John keeps telling me. So please get one with your weekly shop or subscribe to the digital version. The P stands for Petersfield. Petersfield is special to me. The Peapod. The village of Bereton began as a Saxon settlement and has a rich agricultural and industrial heritage, with the chalk quarries and lime works to hop growing and picking, and the arrival of the railway playing part of the village's history. Bereton is an attractive and historic place with a friendly and active community. Boasting many cultural connections, including the Bonham Carter family, Edward Gibbon, the famous historian, John Goodyear, one of Britain's greatest botanists, and local photographer Don Eads. Bereton takes great pride in its history and the Bereton Heritage Bank was launched in 2001. Chair of the Parish Council, Doug Jones, and fellow parishioner, Maggie Johnson, join us now. Good afternoon to you both and welcome. Hello. Hi, thanks. Thank you very much for coming along. So, what is Bygone Bereton? Bygone Bereton is a bit of a strapline for our Bereton Heritage Bank, which has collected together thousands of old photographs of the community over the last... 10 years or so, we've got about 3,500 old photos, a number of which are credited to the great Don Eads, but many of them have been up in people's attics, old suitcases and just about to be thrown out down the tip before we uh, rescue them and piece them together to tell the story of the village over the centuries. And where, where are they housed? Um, virtually all online now, virtually all stored electronically. Anything we receive in a physical form we'll take to either the Petersfield Museum or the County Records Office in Winchester so that it's there for other people to look at any time they want. It seems a very active and proud parish council here, Doug. How long have you been chairman of it? Um, I drew the short straw about uh, four years ago, I think. Three or four? Yeah, three years ago, just in the run-up to Covid, just before anybody had heard of Covid. (laughs) (laughs) So I was stupid enough to put my hand up and... um, have uh, enjoyed it ever since, in inverted commas. <laughs> now, you've both been members of the village, living in the village, for a number of years. We had a chat just before. before. How, how long have you lived here, Doug? Um, well, we worked it out about 36 years, so uh, a fair um, proportion of my life. And you, Maggie? 24. And what is it about Berrican that you like so much? Oh, it's a whole mix of things. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic community both the way it looks and feels, but but as much or more than that, really, the mix of people. Yeah, I agree totally with that. 
and this morning I was trying to get out for a walk and it took me half an hour to get out of the village. <laughs> I met so many people. That's lovely. That's really nice. <laughs> yes. Now, there's a lot of initiatives, initiatives happening in the village as well, um, particularly with the environment and, and climate change. Can you shed a bit of light on, on what you're doing here? Yeah, um, it's, we're, a, we're a parish council that likes to try and do new things. It's, uh, and we're not the only one around the Petersfield area. There's loads of active communities around Petersfield, as, as you'll know. Um, but it's some, in some places, the parish council can end up just reacting to things that happen. You know, there's too much dog poo or litter or this. And we try and deal with all those things, but do more as well and try and involve people in, in everything we do. So a few years ago, we got ourselves on the map as being a particular uh, special area for our dark night skies. Um, we've got one of ten sites in the South Downs National Park with wonderful dark skies that people can come to, come to the Five Bells here or the, the uh, Nest restaurant and hotel just along the road uh, and gaze at those. Um, and that led us to think, well, that means the air is pretty clear and the atmosphere is clear around here. Let's keep it that way. And we've taken a number of steps into what we're calling a climate care initiative, but also looking after nature and uh, particularly pollinators. Are you involved with that too, Maggie? I am. I'm not as heavily involved as one or two other parishioners, but yes, especially in pollinators and in ensuring that we do the most we can not to burn too much of our natural resources. And this is something that you encourage all the villagers of, of Burriton to, to try and take responsibility, isn't it, towards their environmental footprint, I suppose? Yes, yeah, and we, we, we're a bit further ahead with the, the work on pollinators. We've got together with the county council on that, and we're, we're one of six places in the county that they're, they're using as a pilot for their work, and we're trying to get individual households to think of their gardens we're trying to get the highways authority to think of the roadside verges and for, as far as the parish council is concerned we've got a lovely large recreation ground just across the road from here and rather than mow it to death every year um, we're leaving the edges all the way around the edges great big thick wide area for the grass to grow longer and longer uh, we'll cut it once a year and take all the cuttings away because otherwise if you leave them there the uh, soil gets too rich and fertile and all the wrong sorts of plants grow but by leaving it get growing long we're already seeing a mix of wildflowers which in turn then attract the, the butterflies, the bees, the bugs and the beetles uh, and at our village show last year we tried to map out corridors through the village so that these little creatures could find their way from the countryside on one side of the village back out to the countryside the other side of the village uh, with some nice food and places to stay on the, on the journey in between. So Maggie, I believe there's a village show every year. There is indeed. There's a show that um, started life purely as a horticultural show, probably as old as the village itself. Um, and every year we continue to have lots of villagers involved bringing all aspects of their life in as much as they bring fruit and vegetable, homegrown, flowers, photographs, crafts, baking, you name it, it's there. Well, so. maybe we can do a return visit and, host and run a peapod from your village show. That would be absolutely brilliant. Yes, love that. Brilliant. 
August the 20th? Yes, August the 20th. Ah, oh, Saturday. Start, <laughs> start, start growing your vegetables now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, get planting. It's never too, never too late to get stuff growing in the ground. I left my potatoes too late last year, as I was told by Steve Amos. Um, You've yeah. got time this year. I've got time this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with the close proximity to Kiwi Park, obviously you get a number of visitors every year. Yeah, it's great living next door to the country park. The best thing people can do, park, use their facilities there. It doesn't cost a fortune. And then there's two or three great walks through the countryside to end up in one of these two pubs in the village here and walk back. So. Nice, nice circular walk. Mm. Yeah, perfect. So, so going back to your, your climate change initiatives in the village, what else are you doing with regards to, in addition to the, the pollinating scheme that you've got? Yeah, well, we've set them off as two slightly separate initiatives. We realise that they, they join seamlessly together, but by way of getting different groups of volunteers involved, um, we've started them separately. So on the climate care side of things, uh, again, the parish council is doing some things itself and encouraging uh, the community to do others. We've recently had a big audit undertaken of our village hall to assess uh, how green and energy efficient that is or isn't. And we've now got a nice uh, guide to steps that we need to take there over the next few years. Um, but one thing we've done as a parish council is recently buy a thermal imaging camera. Um, and that's now available for use. The first surveys were, were actually done the, earlier this week. Um, and Bernie and Mary might tell you a bit more about that. One of the houses that was done this week was, was theirs. But the idea is that this camera will show up uh, where your house is leaking not just heat but money, um, particularly at this time when uh, energy prices are going through, well, literally through the roof if you haven't got enough insulation. Um, and we're finding that there's popularity from the community to uh, have a go at that and see what the story what the pictures are telling of their house and the idea is to bring down the overall uh, footprint of the village uh, as well as helping people with their heating bills interesting very interesting that's really interesting i live in a 350 year old house <laughs> dread to think <laughs> you are leaking money yeah, yeah. there's always something that can be done <laughs> That's fascinating. Thank you very much for telling us a bit about the village and, and what's going on here. Many thanks to Doug and Maggie. If you'd like to find out more about Brereton, go to brereton.org.uk. The P stands for Petersfield. I think it's an amazing place to live. The Peapod. This week, Susie's Wild Walk is in Durford Wood and explores after the storms. If you can hear that, that's the end of Storm Eunice. And I'm I've crouched down. I'm actually up in the branches of an oak tree, except that the branches are lying on the ground. Um, and I'm hoping that the wind won't be too annoying for you. But it's just so extraordinary to be where only birds have been for centuries and sad at this fallen giant. So I'm at Durford Wood, Probably not the smartest move to have come after the storm, but we'll see. Um, 
and it's just an absolute obstacle course of fallen trees and so on but um i'm not totally stupid this isn't the exact day after it's actually sunday after it was on the friday and the road that had been blocked along the top coming up from rogate has been cleared so they really got onto that quickly and i'm thrilled so that's one puzzle over i wondered who it was that that actually cleared it and i'm guessing it's the local landowners but also i was musing on the way here how sweet storm dudley and storm eunice actually sound and whether giving things names is helpful perhaps if we called it storm maleficent or something it would be better so i'm just going to leave this now until i know that it won't be an irritating sound of the wind but it's just to give you a flavor and i'm looking at loads of insects and patting the the lichen and moss all over this beautiful beautiful oak tree that's completely blocking one of the footpaths So from the look of things, it's considerably quieter here. Uh, the wind's still raging, but I'm, I'm sort of lurking behind a thick trunk that hasn't fallen over. And um, I hope you can hear the bird song. And that is rather wonderful, isn't it? Because they were probably completely cowering on Friday. Now here they are chirping away. The cows are looking quite stolid. Um, poor souls in mud. Uh, there's still a sort of water trough that's overflowing um, but it has been for ages that's just a leaking pipe which is you know it (laughs) irritates me for world resources every time I pass it so if you're listening farmer um, it's been leaking all winter Uh, uh, but anyway it was just to finish off in in sort of Rupert Bear country so I'm underneath fir trees and Scots pines that look very like that and um, and there are storms coming in the Atlantic but we plough on as we must and I hope you have a lovely week If you're inspired to try out any of Susie's wild walks you can find them all at shineradio.uk And if you'd like to volunteer at Shine Radio, we'd love to hear from you. You can call us or WhatsApp us on 01730 555 500 or pop an email to team at shineradio.uk. Coming up, we get creative with the local arts scene in the village and bring you our latest What's On Guide, full of events taking place in the Peace Sphere. But first, we hear what climate change initiatives Veriton is adopting. The Veriton Parish Council has adopted a climate and nature charter to ensure that its own activities consider climate change and to encourage others to act appropriately. In fact, all parishioners are encouraged to join the Beriton Climate Change Challenge. More about which villagers Mary and Bernie Saunders can shed some sonar panelled light on now. Good afternoon. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Good, thank you. So, when was the Climate Change Charter adopted by the village? So, when our uh, climate care group got together for the first time uh, last summer, uh, it was very shortly after that that the Parish Council adopted its own charter. Um, And that was one of the initiatives that uh, came about as a result of uh, the Parish Council getting the group together. And what actually is the Beriton Climate Change Challenge? 
So um, one of the early initiatives of our climate care group was to look at what um, people could do individually uh, in the village. Um, we all know there are some really major uh, policy decisions that need to be made at national and international level, but we decided to look at it from a, a bottom-up approach, if you like, to see what individuals could do, because there are very simple things that all of us can do to make a bit of a difference. Uh, and so we decided to <clears throat> launch the climate change challenge around the new year so that anyone who was stuck for a resolution uh, could think to themselves well maybe I can make a resolution that will uh, help with climate change or help reduce climate change um, and um, the ideas we gave to people were very simple things like changing to three plant-based meals a week um, to uh, walking and cycling a bit more than they do normally perhaps committing themselves to taking fewer flights in 2022 right up to the other end of the spectrum where they might think about changing their petrol or diesel vehicle through to, uh, to a, an electric vehicle, for example. Um, it's up to individuals what they decide to do, but even some of those very small things like eating three plant-based meals a week can lead to quite significant changes in, the, uh, in your individual's carbon footprint. This sounds like something you're very passionate about yourself, Bernie. What, what are you doing in the village then yourself to, uh, to help combat climate change? So in terms of uh, our changes that we've made, we're pretty much vegetarian now. Uh, last year we got rid of our petrol car and got a hybrid. We haven't gone the full electric yet. <laughs> Um, we've made some quite significant changes at home too. We've got solar panels on the roof. Um, and um, we're also involved in a um, major government trial for electrification of heat. So we got ourselves a, an air source heat pump last year as part of this trial. Um, and uh, we're just going through our first winter experiencing what that's like compared to having a gas-fired boiler, uh, which we've always had prior to this, this moment in time. Um, but it's really just about individuals thinking about what they can do. Um, people don't have to do... It's great if they do make major changes, uh, but if they can just make a small change, that can actually add up to quite a big difference. And it sounds like there's quite a lot of support in the village for that. Yeah, I think, I think there is. I think, every, you know, it's, um, everybody's aware of, of what needs doing. It's really about um, engaging people with the ideas um, and the things that they can do uh, that are realistic for them uh, to make a change. And how are you finding the changes in your house then? You mentioned this winter. Has it differed a lot? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting having an air source heat pump in the house for the first time is uh, is interesting. I mean, uh, we're staying warm, which is good. Uh, we haven't had a particularly harsh winter, but um, it seems to operate well down to the lowest temperatures we've had uh, so far. Uh, the cost of it is going to be an interesting uh, uh, interesting thing to find out at the end of the year, particularly as energy prices are, are, are rising dramatically anyway. Um, but we're just really pleased to be uh, involved in it and, um, and making our contribution to reducing the carbon footprint in the village. And I believe there's something called the Climate Pathfinders? Yes, that's right. When we, um, when we first set up the group, we thought it would be a good idea before trying to talk to the village about what everybody could do. 
uh, we thought it'd be a really good idea to find out what people are actually doing. Um, and so we managed to track down people who have made um, significant changes to uh, their, their homes or their way of life. Um, <clears throat> for example, we found a whole uh, range of people. Some have um, uh, made significant changes to things like the insulation in their houses. People have put in rainwater, rainwater harvesting tanks. Um, right through to people who've made significant retrofits to their houses um, and even a, a completely new eco-build. Um, and the idea is that uh, by getting those uh, people together and getting a, a list of who they are and where they are, anyone else in the future who's thinking of making those kinds of changes can go to them, talk to them about their experiences uh, and find out... Um, some of the pros and cons in advance of, of making any big decisions. Because it sounds to me there's quite a lot of outlay on your behalf to get like the solar panels and the changing of your heating system. From a cost point of view, what savings are you hoping to, to make? I think you can, um, <clears throat> you can do all sorts of things. You can um, do some relatively low cost uh, measures um, particularly things like uh, insulation to your house um, uh, and there are still some grants available that um, will, will help you with that. Um, but you're quite right, if you, if, if you want to uh, make some of those more significant changes they are quite expensive to do. Uh, again there are grants available although some of those are coming and going as government policy changes. Um, the uh, biggest motivation, I think, for people is this significant reduction in their carbon mm. footprint. Uh, and I think that's what motivates most of the people who, who um, get involved in the really expensive changes. But, you know, I really would like to stress that there are some really quite low-cost things yeah. you can do uh, that can also make quite a difference. Now, Mary, I understand you're also involved with the pollinating side of things in the village. How are you involved with that? Um, well, we've we've always gardened organically. We have quite a, a big garden, and um, we grow vegetables and flowers, and we've, we've always used um, the organic methods. Um, recently, um, we decided to try and create a more native um, garden. Particularly, we had this huge uh, Leylandi hedge at the front. So we wanted to take that out, but we wanted to put something native back in. So we, we did that um, a couple of years ago and um, put a U-hedge U back in. And then we had this expanse in front, which had previously been covered by the hedge, that we decided to put wildflowers in um, to try and encourage the pollinators to, um, to the garden. And it's right at the front of the house so that it's visible from the road, so everybody can see it. And we've had a lot of comments from villagers walking past saying how much better it looks and how lovely it is to see the flowers. So we've done that, but also during lockdown, we um, were avid listeners of um, talks by the Sussex Wildlife Trust. And on one of those, um, Michael Blenker of the Sussex Wildlife Trust um, did this really interesting talk and showed his garden and when he moved in it was just 
turf and he was saying, well, this tur lawn is just dead. There's nothing on the lawn. You, there's no wildlife in the lawn. There's no flowers or anything like that. So he just dug it all up and then spread wildflower seeds. And all his neighbours were very quite scathing and uh, said, oh, you know, you're, um, what do they call him? Uh, Enviromaniac. Enviromaniac, that's, that's right. <laughs> but then gradually they started to do the same thing. So through along his road, um, there are several little pockets of these wildflower patches where people have done exactly the same thing, just cut off bits of their lawn and planted wildflower seeds. So we decided to do the same on bits of our lawn. We still got some lawn, but we took off the turf and piled that all up in a corner and then scattered wildflower seeds on it. Um, we also noticed there were a lot of butterflies and bees last year as well. And uh, the other thing we do, uh, we are um, mason bee guardians, which involves buying some mason bee cocoons, which get sent to you, and all the equipment to go with it. And the, they, they, they're ind individual bees, so they, they live on their own, and um, they don't sting, and they're really cute. We get, you get the co cocoons, and keep them in this little um, house and gradually they hatch out and you can actually watch them hatch out sometimes because they only hatch out in the mornings and if you listen you can hear them gnawing away at the, the cocoon and then they out they pop and off they go and then they they come back to the tubes that you've got available for them and they lay their eggs so they lay their larva and it's quite interesting really because they, they put a little bit of mud in the cocoon and then they lay an egg and then they seal that up so they're independ independently um, little, little legs all the way through the tube. And then apparently if they're left like that, um, if the one at the end of the tube or in the middle wakes up first or starts the cocoon wakes up first, he'll nibble through his, 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 the mud next to it and bite the other one next to it to wake him up. <laughs> and gradually they all wake up and come up. It's a really fun project to be involved in. Sounds very rewarding. It is very rewarding, yeah. So we see them flying around the garden, don't we? And I uh, feel quite maternal. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone is inspired to create their own wildflower garden, what time of year? Is this a good time of year to start? Um, the spring would be a good time of year to start, yes. Wildflowers need the worst possible soil. That's the, the most difficult thing in your own garden. I'm inspired. Are you, Job? Uh, almost, yes. I might even give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> Vegetables for the show. Yes. And a, um. and a wildflower garden. The Peapod Events Guide. What's on in the Petersphere? Rocket Mania returns to the TPS studio by popular demand on Friday the 4th of March. Strap yourself in for a rocket-fueled ride as the five-piece band recreates some of Elton John's hits from the classic years of 1970 to 1986. For more information and tickets, go to the studio tps.com. Herbert Headley Art Gallery and Arts and Crafts Shop is hosting a Drawing from Life evening on Wednesday the 16th of March from 7pm until 9pm. This is a relaxed, informal drawing evening in the lovely setting of Herbert Headley's Westmark Farms. Tickets are £7 to participate and more information can be found at Herbert Headley's Facebook page. The Petersfield Musical Festival is back, taking place from the 18th of March until the 26th. The programme ranges from family and youth concerts to the Petersfield Community Choir, 
18th Century Masters and the Petersfield Orchestra, amongst others. Further information can be found at petersfieldmusicalfestival.org.uk. If you'd rather stay in, there's always your local radio station, Shine Radio, to listen to. With a brighter mix of music, local news and weather, there is also a wide variety of programmes to choose from. There's a new episode of Kate Fairweather's Dogs with Jobs available to listen to. Meet retired greyhound Phantom, who uses his therapeutic superpowers as a support worker at Bowhunt School. To listen to Dogs with Jobs and other programmes, tune in to shineradio.uk, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're running an event, get it in the guide at shineradio.uk. Fran Vizi runs the Five Bells Pub in Burriton, a country inn and restaurant with an art gallery on the side. Inspired by the local countryside, Fran has created her own paintings and ceramics and teaches art classes in the village, supporting Burriton's talented art community, and she joins us now. Hello, Fran, how are you? Hi, good afternoon from the Five Bells. <laughs> Thanks for hosting us. You're very welcome. So tell us about the pub. How long have you been running the pub here in the, in the village? We um, have been in Bereton now since 2009, um, so I think that's 12 years. We come up to 13 years quite soon. Um, and we moved in in a bleak November when the pub was all shut up and painted a very dreary green on the outside. And I hope that in the years that we've been here, we've turned it into something a bit more warm and cosy and welcoming. I've got to say, I love the pub. I love the old beams. I just love the whole thing about it. I used to come here years ago, and uh, yeah, it's as I remember. Yes, and it would be. We haven't actually done a lot to change the pub at all inside, other than keep it fresh and tidy and clean. We wouldn't dare change the colour of the walls in the public bar. <laughs> um, the locals would be up in arms. Um, but yes, it's very much as it's always been. And in the heart of the village too. Yes, right in the very heart of the village. Um, We are lucky we have such a lovely village with a beautiful church and a beautiful pond and we have very nice people living in the village. And lots of walkers And lots of walkers. Being so close to the A3, we're very lucky that we have people who visit Bereton who see it as their little bit of countryside. So they may well live down in Horndean or a bit further up in Hazelmere, but this is their little piece of countryside because it's so accessible. And you're also involved in the vibrant art scene that is part of the village as well, yourself. You're an artist and and run art classes too. Yes, indeed. I do run art classes. I think to say I teach art classes is pushing the bounds a little bit. Um, We do have lots of people with good artistic talents in the village and we also have lots of people in the village and in the outlying areas who want to have a go at art. And so we've been running art classes here, I think, for about 11 years, but very much on an experimental basis. So we're no more um, rigid with what we do than we were when we first started out. Anybody can use whatever they like. Um, Different people will come along and find that they've done some sort of experiment that works very well and then we'll all copy. Um, But yes, it's very relaxed and we try to be creative with very little boundaries. And how often do you meet for the art classes? We we are now back to meeting once a week. Um, Throughout the pandemic, we tried to keep up some sort of activity. So in the summer months, when we were allowed to uh, meet outside, we're up and out in the garden Um, struggling with the uh, wind and the umbrellas and paper flying all around the garden, but kept that going. And we have recently moved into our village hall on a Wednesday afternoon. 
So we now have a class that runs from 1.30 in Berriton Village Hall, very light and airy in there, a lot of space for us all to spread ourselves out, and that's working very well indeed, and numbers have increased because we've got a bit more, more space to play in. And you find doing the art takes you away from running the pub? Very much so, yes. Um, I think the majority of us that paint and paint regularly find it exceedingly therapeutic. It's not like reading a book where you can sit with a book and find that you've not read the last three pages or you're watching the TV and you've not watched the last 15 minutes of the drama series. You really do have to concentrate and your mind has to do something that it's not normally doing. There's no words necessarily mulling over in there. You're thinking about what you're creating and enjoying it and it does take it's very relaxing and you have a lovely selection of paintings as well on the wall in the pub here are they by local artists they are indeed the ones that we've got up in the public bar on the restaurant at the moment are mostly watercolors and they're by myself and uh, another lady who lives in the village called lynn ashcroft who is a very good watercolorist um years ago she did watercolour painting professionally and has recently returned to the activity. So there are works. There's a couple of others dotted about from people who have been exhibiting here for many years. You've got one in the snug down there, a very big painting, that is by a gentleman called Paul Best, and he paints in the local area. Um, and he is probably our best-selling artist. His dotty style um, seems to suit these days and his lovely, big, colourful paintings. And in the lockdown, I understand an interesting project came out of your art in the form of a calendar. Can you tell yes, us a bit more about that? it did, yes. Um, Lynn Ashcroft, the lady I mentioned before, decided in the second very strict lockdown that she was going to paint a painting a day which she did, and uh, I tried to join in but couldn't manage a painting a day, but by the time we finished, we found we had a huge amount of work um, and it was covering all of the seasons. Bereton has in the past had a parish calendar and that had stopped for one reason or another, so we thought why not um, reinstate that and use our seasonal paintings to show what the countryside looks like around here, around the year, uh, all around the year. Um, We had a couple of um, charitable fundraising events going on at the same time. So we have raised some money for uh, Karen White, it's another lady in the village, who's been raising money for the Rosemary Foundation and a donation for the school as well. Like most little schools, constantly needing a bit of support. Tell me a little bit about the Berriton Art Trail that I've heard a little bit about. Berriton Art Trail has been an annual event in... All honesty, I can't remember when it started, but we seem to have been part of it more or less since we've um, we first moved here. And it's been in different forms over the last few years. We have had that virtual art trails over the last couple of years, uh, but normally the art trail would take the form of taking a trip right around Berriton Village. Some houses will be displaying their artwork. Uh, the Village Hall is normally involved. The Manor Barn, which is a lovely venue to display art in. Uh, and it means visitors to the village can come and spend the afternoon going around the village, looking at various artwork, pottery and woodwork included, um, and then hopefully end up back at the pub for some afternoon tea. Sounds like fun. <laughs> it does. Except that I can't paint. Never been able to. Well, you, but you're an artist, aren't you, Claire? You like to... I like to dabble. paint a bit. A dabble, yeah. Not, not as frequently as I probably 
should, or would like to, actually. Maybe I'll get back into it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Fran, for telling us more about the pub and the, the vibrant art scene here. You're very welcome. The P stands for Petersfield. I can't believe that we live in such a idyllic place. The Peapod. And so we come to the end of the Berriton Peapod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks also to our guests, Doug Jones, Maggie Johnson, Mary and Bernie Saunders, Fran Vesey, Susie Wilde and John Walker, as well as the community-minded volunteers at Shine Radio who support the show and help to put it together. This week's music comes from local artist Million Pebble Beach and the song Broken Ships. So from Joff and I this week... Bye!
So I've always been keen on gardening, forever. Petersfield Gardening Royalty. Growing together on Shine Radio. Give it a go this year, you never know, and we're here on hand if you have any questions. Growing together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos. New every month and always online at shineradio.uk. 